I just got the call one day from um, Coyote, who works with uh, Cortez, to say, like, look, like, Dave and Sinch are dropping a joint tape in, like, three weeks. Like, no one knows about it, da-da-da. The only piece of, like, kind of rollout and promo these guys want to do is to come on to Victory Lab. Which I was like, is this like a prank call? <laughs> At first, I was like, what? He's like, do you think that would work? Like, I was like, I think it could work kind of yeah. thing. Uh, and then we were kind of thinking about it. But to have kind of Dave and Sench want to kind of do their only album rollout on that platform meant yeah. a lot because they could have gone to any platform in the world to kind of promo that. And I think it kind of really helped us kind of understand the importance of what we were doing with our friends to the point where it's like connecting with artists this big. And artists like Central C and Dave are seeing it like as super valuable for them to kind of return to their roots and to kind of rehumanize themselves, you know, a little bit. And then we, Victory Lap, get to put artists like Curbs and Kibo and Rushy and put them in the same room with these like huge megastars, you know. So it's like, I think it was like a perfect storm that helped yeah. everyone from every angle, you know. So it really helped Victory Lap put eyes on Victory Lap, really helped put eyes on kind of the underground and this new scene that we're talking about. And it also really rehumanized Dave and we got to see Dave and Sench like back on radar radio for lack of a better, you know, mm -hmm. back back to their radio sets, back to their roots. You're listening to The Face Podcast. My name is Matthew Whitehouse, editor of The Face, and usually the host of this podcast. Unfortunately, I am washing my hair this week. However, our music director, Davey Reed, has stepped in. He'll be talking about the UK's alternative rap renaissance with Joe McDermott from Victory Lab, as well as the journalist and podcaster, Yemi Arbiade. I'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Davey Reed. We're in the Spotify studios today. So we have Joe McDermott, who is the co-founder and kind of runs Victory Lap, which is a radio platform which has become synonymous with a certain wave of alternative UK rap. And then we've got Yemi Abiade, who is a writer who's written for pretty much everyone, right? Like you've done The Guardian, The Face, Dazed, ID, and you're contributing editor at Trench, which is a really respected platform and you recently had a piece out called Alternative British Rap, Please Step Forward, which covers a lot of the artists who have been on Victory Lap. I also wrote a story about this wave earlier this year. And Yemi, you also have your own podcast, Rhymes Like Dimes, which is a very respected UK rap or rap podcast in general. But I guess before we start, um, speaking of Matthew's absence, because you guys are actually the first guests we've had in the podcast since Eric Cantona. That my, was a couple of weeks ago. My hero. But, but Joe, <laughs> didn't you end up going to see yeah, him with Matthew? With Matthew, yeah. He randomly just hit me up on the day, like a few hours before, and was just like, yo, man, I haven't actually met Matthew. We've followed each other on Instagram for a while, but he just hit me up and was like, yo, man, I've got a ticket to see Eric Cantona tonight if you want to come. And he's like, I just saw that you followed him on Instagram on like a whim. And I was like, bro, Cantona is like my hero. I was like, this is perfect. So I just like dropped everything. I was like, bro, I'll... I think Matthew thought it was kind of weird that he was even asking me. I think he was a bit sheepish. Like, is this a weird thing? I was like, bro, you've asked the, the perfect person. I was like, this is my hero. So, like, so you had a Cantona t-shirt, right? Yeah, I actually have like a bunch of like random 90s, like bootleg vintage, specifically Cantona shirts, just because I think he's such a crazy character. And I was actually looking at the tickets to potentially go and I think it was sold out. So when Matthew hit me up, I was like, I'm in there. <coughs> What's Eric Cantona's music like? 
it was quite like surreal as you'd expect. I mean, he's quite like a crazy guy. It was like quite theatrical. I think he's like kind of acting, kind mm. of. Is it kind of like a Leonard Cohen type thing? Yeah, like a kind and of it was kind of like yeah, deep songwriting, kind of very like very French. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? And he's very dramatic. He was kind of like ending songs, like whipping his hand in the air, and all the lights came off. And he was giving like random speeches in between about life and war and and then just starting another song so dramatic and artistic and a bit confusing and and brilliant so i think that's a good roundup of like how that was i'm a liverpool fan but i've got love for eric Cantona. yeah i think yeah all my mates who are like rival fans and stuff they just say he's just such a character you know it's not going to be like another one like him i don't think so for anyone who's listened to our Eric Cantona podcast and you've subscribed, we're now going to talk about underground UK rap. So that could come as some sort of disappointment or a nice curveball <laughs> to you. But So basically, the kind of wave of UK rap, which we're going to talk about, is a scene of artists who have an ear for slightly more experimental production, often more chilled out, jazzy, soulful production, and also quite colourful, experimental, casual kind of fashion sense and stuff. But I think before we start talking about it, to understand what's going on in alternative UK rap, you need to kind of understand what's going on in mainstream UK rap. So I'm going to ask us to like really try and briefly summarise what's happened in mainstream UK rap since 2015. I've picked the year 2015 because Yemi, I think in your trench piece, you referenced like a post-2015 UK rap renaissance to my memory The way I see what happened, and I know this will be debated and someone on Twitter will probably call me out for being full of shit, but like basically I see it as the grime resurgence, which arguably maybe kicked off with That's Not Me in 2014, kind of peaked between 2015 and 17, your Stormzy's, AJ Tracy's, Skepta's, headlining festivals and all that sort of thing. In my opinion, in a mainstream sense, that didn't last that long. But then what happened is it kicked down the doors in the industry for UK rappers to be maybe taken a little bit more seriously, to have a better chance of getting a record deal, playing at a big festival, being on the cover of a magazine. So then you had this kind of yin and yang thing of UK drill, which was often quite dark and and, and quite serious. And then you had Afro swing, which was more party friendly, more flirtatious, more summery, obviously inspired a lot by African music. And they went really, really strong in the late 2010s. And then potentially Afro Swing arguably has maybe petered out a bit and just kind of morphed into Afro Beats. You know, if you look at like NSG record or J-Hus record, it doesn't sound that dissimilar to what like a Burner Boy record sounds like now. And then UK Drill arguably maybe has lost a little bit of steam. Maybe there's a bit of a fatigue generally in terms of just the traditional UK sound, which is very morose. And I I mean, you know, as we can discuss maybe later, genres never die, that's nonsense. But on a mainstream level, maybe there's been a bit of an appetite for a bit more experimentation. Yemi, you are really dedicated to writing about this stuff and you're more of an expert than me. Do you think that assessment is correct or am I full of shit? No, it's fairly accurate. I would trace the kind of grime resurgence further back to about 2013 when um, Meridian Dan dropped German Whip. Okay, yeah. Big H and Jamie. And I think that was like the first grime tune to chart like quite highly in years. And that kind of like set the stage for... I kind of liken it to three stages in a sense and they're represented by three songs so you have German Whip you have Skepta That's Not Me 2014 and then you have Skepta Shutdown in 2015 and I think 
2013 was kind of like that, you know, it, not really back, but it's like, okay, Grime is doing something again. That's not me. It's kind of like, okay, this is the quintessential, authentic, what we used to listen to growing up type of Grime that is now like kind of back with Vengeance and Skepta going back to, you know, that sound after he was experimenting with more like commercial sounds, trying to break America in the early 2010s. It kind of represented like a hearkening back to what Grime was and what a lot of these UK artists that were coming from Grime but then stepped out to make money essentially were trying that their new ethos that's mm. what they were kind of going back to and then shut down 2015 was kind of like the coronation of that moment the kind of coronation of the kind of resurgence if you will of grime grime is now the most popular thing since sliced bread all over again and we can now move forward and the ogs of the scene can move forward with this sound and it's inspiring new generations as well mm. the stormsies the age of traces the novelist as you said and then after 2015, yeah, it's kind of like the proliferation of the grime sound and it then does kind of correspond with and go with the kind of birth and development of genres like drill and Afro swing. So they're kind of all happening in tandem and then they're obviously peaks and troughs for each genre from about 2016 onwards. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say your assessment is, is, is fairly accurate and it very much represents like the organism of UK black music. You know what I mean? Like it's like very much like all these different sounds and genres, the interplay between them, the fact that a lot of them are also in their own lane, a lot of the artists that, you know, like a Jay Huss, for instance, can be on an Afro swing tune as much as he can be on like a, a murky UK rap nines tune sort of mm. thing. So he's very, and we also have to remember UK rap as well. The likes of nines, the likes of further underground people like Tion Wayne, <coughs> Potter Paper, artists of that nature as well, they're still like in the underground, slowly rising up to the top as well. So you kind of have all of these genres at play and then yeah there are certain developmental stages in each genre where you know some aren't as popular as others and some are losing the, the steam that they once had and now in like 2023 I fully agree with you I feel like there is a fatigue setting in especially with I suppose drill kind of being the most dominant mainstream UK sound in a sense and I feel like there is an appeal now for more I suppose, left field, experimental type experiences that people want to listen to. So yeah, I'd say your, your assessment is quite accurate. Cool. So this this wave that we're going to talk about today of alternative UK rap, because there's been like, you know, your piece that you wrote, Yemi, like you linked back to a piece about alternative British rap you'd written a couple of years ago, I think in 2017, and you're talking about, I think, Koji Radical and Loyal Corner and stuff like that. But this wave we're talking about is a bit different. And, you know, just to name a few artists, you know, I, I would consider people like Ashbeck, Bex, who is performing a Faces New Noise show tonight, which is a regular monthly series that we're doing, which doesn't yet have a sponsor. Um, but, uh, and then we, Len, and then you've got Al Londo. You've got loads of these artists coming through and there's a bit of a wave. But like, like Joe, in terms of your opinion, like, how to to me this is quite fresh to be honest with you because mm. like I kind of have been aware of a few of these artists this year largely through Victory Lap yeah but actually you know like Blaze YL is an artist who's synonymous with this but then he's in House of Pharaohs who yep. I think I first heard of them in 2018 or something yeah so like when do you think this wave started and is it picking up steam now I think it is picking up steam now and it's hard to pinpoint exactly where it started but I think there's a whole bunch of artists that along the way have kind of helped to shape and inspire whether they whether directly or indirectly just add into the the kind of scene so growing up and going to shows and being outside like there's artists like 
808 Inc. and people like Oscar Wilpiece, like Rags Original. You mentioned Len, who doesn't exist without someone like Lancy Foe. And it's like these people have been around kind of contributing and I feel like everyone's been kind of adding their piece and it's been snowballing to the point where it's got to kind of now, which is where I think it's kind of blossoming a little bit, where people have planted those seeds and now it's kind of coming to fruition and it's really kind of trying to find its legs a bit more as like kind of like a stable consistent genre with loads of different people coming from different angles but yeah now just explain a bit for the listeners who aren't aware of what victory lap is so yeah the face i did a story about it which was in our current issue so victory lap it started it's sort of end of 2019 i think yeah and it's you and a bunch of like a just a loose bunch of friends you got there's mm-hmm. nasty brian the artist and the model nico b is involved there's quite a lot of you yeah. and since summer 2020 it's been a balmy radio show and it's kind of not just done rap it's done you've had artists like dexter news agent who yeah. does more kind of acoustic songwriter stuff but it's generally started to pick up quite a lot of buzz because for a number of reasons one because you do ciphers mm-hmm. and Ciphers, for anyone who doesn't really understand, is more associated with grime, which we've just talked about. And yeah. in during the kind of mid 2010s, Radar Radio, the radio station, that was really big for ciphers. So you had people like Dave coming in, yeah. you had people like Novelist coming in. So these were grime ciphers. So you're talking like 12 MCs in a cramped room yeah. fighting over the mic, sweat really box. high energy, a sweat box, right? Good old days. The, yeah, <laughs> the good old days, the good old days. And shout out to Travs Presents because they've kind of re- sort of brought back some of that energy with these grime ciphers. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, is ciphers kind of, live ciphers kind of died. And I want to be specific about that because there was the Westwood Crib Sessions and they were ciphers and a lot of drill artists went on them and some of those are actually really iconic. Yep. There's Groundworks, which did really great kind of energetic drill ciphers, but there's a few things which are different. One, it wasn't multiple crews coming in together to mm. kind of clash element that you got with Grime. Two, these were pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Going on the radio and, and, and spitting live in a cipher means there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot yeah. of mess. People fall off the beat. People's mics aren't loud enough, whatever, you know. But there's like a thrill to that. And, and Grime really kind of, that was kind of at the heart of it. Yeah. But these artists, these kind of alternative new UK rap artists, one, their music's quite chill. And let's be honest, Grime, like part of the art is aggression. And yeah. that's just part of the expression of it. And that's part of the, the nature of it. So it's an interesting thing to see like these alternative UK rappers doing a cipher, but it's actually really refreshing because, you know, we're all old enough to remember watching those radar sessions yeah. and like seeing Victory Lap and like that studio in Balmy is so small. It's tiny, the, tiny, the, yeah. the, the fisheye camera makes they've got makes it look bigger. When yeah, I yeah. saw it, I was like, it's Very tiny, but there's tiny. something about seeing AMCs like fighting over the mic all queuing up leaning over gassing each other up which is like really infectious and i think a lot of people i've spoken to and i spoke to the article are crediting you guys for actually kind of making that cool again and i think in the tiktok era i get a lot of it must be annoying because you create this content and everyone just rips it (laughs) it's the unofficial rips which go viral but like i think in this tiktok kind of instagram age having a 30 second clip of someone spitting yeah it's kind of ripe for that because you get these moments where someone catches a beat and there's a wheel up. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. That, that actually makes a really good viral content. Yeah, yeah. So you've kind of, the Victory Lap platform 
this year it was, it was sort of this year I've seen people sharing it, mm. and then in summer you I think or April was it you had a big moment when yeah. Dave. Do you want to explain what happened? So yeah. the Dave and Central Sea moment. Yeah. So well, so I started in 2019 and then kind of lost two years where we were kind of bringing live guests and then had to stop after about four or five months and then we had a weird two year period where we were kind of still doing the show but it was kind of like pre-recorded mixes and kind of people send them to me and me and my computer like in my sweatpants like <laughs> like trying to knit it together to make it like listenable which was which was good and kind of challenging but gave me something to do at home you know but when we came out of covid like the the main priority that we kind of me and all my friends were saying was like we need to get people like bodies back in the studio because it feels like we've been missing that for the kind of yeah. so long so the first actual one was with the kind of cipher-ish format was one with um, Saint and Nico B. Mm. And we just didn't really have any kind of plan for it, really. We were just like, we'll just take a bunch of beats. We've got Saint coming down. We'll just see what happens. And it was like, that was our f my first time posting the footage to YouTube. Mm. So then off the back of that, it was about two, three days later. And, well, t to be fair, we actually sat on the footage for a few months and we, we had it and then I edited it and we were like, we'll just put it up one day, see how it does. And three days later, Drake had posted it on right. his main feed. So, so he'd clipped a, a, a clip of Nico B where he was freestyling about what he would do if he was on Love Island. Yeah. Um, Drake sees everything, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, and Drake had seen it and people were calling me. I was in the, the office at work in Bankrupt down in the basement with no signal. There's people calling my phone, da, da, da. And it was Brian who FaceTimed me from New York and was like, bro, get on your phone right now. Like, Drake's posted Victory Lap. That's I'm like, it. okay, fuck off. He's like, no, no, like, really, like, go on your <laughs> thing now. But anyway, we, so from that, we kind of noticed, like, oh, there's, like, we grew up on kind of live ciphers and grime and seeing people, radar radio, people on the mic. It's a whole different thing than you know, like kind of pre-recorded or just hearing them do like a colours performance or something like that. So we kind of kept pushing with that and thought that there's something here. After we kept kind of doing that and inviting the guys like Ash Beck and these younger guys that we were like huge fans of to kind of come and kind of like take over and we'll kind of curate the beats and we'll just see what happens kind of thing, just very laid back. And off the back of doing that for a while and finding like like a little bit of success you know and people seem to be a little bit interested i just got the call one day from um coyote who works with uh, cortez to say like look we're like dave and Sench are dropping a joint tape in like three weeks like no one knows about it da, da, da. uh the only piece of like kind of rollout and promo these guys want to do is to come on to victory lap which I was like, is this like a prank call? At first, I was like, what? He's like, do you think that would work? Like, I was like, I think it could work, kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then we were kind of thinking about it, but to have kind of Dave and Sench want to kind of do their only kind of album rollout on like kind of our platform was like meant yeah. a lot because they could have gone, you know, to any platform in the world to kind of promo that. And I think it kind of really helped us kind of understand the importance of what we were doing um, with our friends to the point where it's like connecting with artists this big and artists like Central C and Dave are seeing it like as super valuable for them to kind of return to their roots and to kind of rehumanize themselves, you know, a little bit. And then we, Victory Lap, get to put artists like Curbs and Kibo and Rushi and put them in the same room with these like huge megastars, you know, so it's like, I think it was like a perfect storm that helped yeah. everyone from every angle, you know, so it really helped Victory Lap put eyes on Victory Lap, really helped put eyes on kind of the underground and this new scene that we're talking about. And it also really 
rehumanized Dave and we got to see Dave and Sench like back on radar radio for lack of a better, you know, mm-hmm. back back to their radio sets, back to their roots doing. And Dave, there's like my favorite moment of the whole set is just a moment before Dave starts rapping. And he's like, I haven't done this in so long. And he's just like laughing, yeah. kind of looking around. And it was like those moments for me were like kind of the most poignant. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm a massive fan of both Central C and Dave, but like obviously, and I've followed Central C very closely. You know, we had him on the cover of the face, did the interview. But there's something about everything he does is a chess move and his team is so strategic yeah. and everything's so thought out. So there's something about seeing him complain that he doesn't like the beat or yeah, yeah. everyone laughing when he falls off it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Everyone just joking around, which is kind of raw. And that's really interesting because it was at Kibo Kerbs who I think it was Kibo who mm-hmm. Dave was like yeah, you're yeah. superhuman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like and he's gassing up an enemy did an interview with Kibo like mm-hmm. two days later just yeah. about what it was like to be like really gassed up. And straight away I saw it and I was I don't know who Kibo is, but I was like Dave thinks this guy's sick. So I'm like, I'm following him straight away and I'm listening to yeah, yeah. what he does and stuff like that. I mean what do you two think about, like, that leads on to my next question, because I want to know if there is, like, much of a thread between this underground scene and the mainstream at the moment, or do they seem quite different? I think it's growing. Stuff like what we've just spoken about, that that opens doors in a lot of ways. I think if we're talking about, like, actual music, we've seen Unknown to You recently kind of yeah. pick up a, a couple of these artists as well. He linked up with Lancey Foe recently. On the new column tape, he's on a song with Bex as well. Yeah, he's which, on the Len tape as well. He's on the Len tape yeah, as well. Yeah. So I think he's very much doing a lot to, you know, kind of break down those doors. Right. And I feel like that would then kind of lead an example of how to kind of move in a way that you're trying to pick up and endorse artists that might not necessarily be in the same field as you. So I think it's very much growing right now. It's yeah. a new phenomenon and it'd be interesting to see where it goes. I think the good thing about Unknown T is that he's already kind of, his the way he flows and the way he makes his music is very conducive to experimentation anyway. So I feel like he fits quite nicely with yeah. the kind of new school of alt rappers who are like that as well. So I suppose it's very easy for him to kind of lend himself to those yeah. type of beats and those type of collaborations. So it'd be interesting to see how that kind of goes along. Yeah, It's interesting that you mentioned that column tape because everyone's like, oh, like everyone was sharing it when that project dropped last week. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, legend. I'm like, yeah, legend. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Who is My he? guy. So yeah. I've been listening to it. I've listened to like three, four times and I actually really like that. So mm. that's really... Do you know what? I'm just going to pull up the title of that project just so we can shout it out. But he is... Like, re- really, really distinctive sound. And, yeah, Mellow is his new project. And he has these really jazzy beats. And he's got Ashbeck on, who's part of the scene. Novelist, who we were chatting about before, the kind of grime legend. But there's an AJ Tracy track on there called Grandma's Kitchen, which I really like. And it's funny with AJ, because he's someone who's, like, really, really chased successfully the mainstream kind of career and the sound and stuff like that and he's kind of swum with the tide in terms of kind of tunes he makes but like I remember when he was starting out with Grime and he was kind of the guy he was up for doing kind of slightly weird stuff like he can you remember that track he had with Last Japan which was yeah, kind yeah. of like oh, a, yeah. was yeah. like a was it like a Sino Grime type tune yeah. yeah and then he had like there's like an old Red Bull music video of him spitting over mum dance doing like a yeah, modulus yeah. synth thing yeah, yeah. which is like the nerdiest thing ever <laughs> yeah. and he collabed, with, he collabed with Colum early as well did he? Yeah, 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 did he? yeah, yeah. yeah. song called I think it was Hood Antics Yeah, he was barring yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's on SoundCloud SoundCloud Classic which I gonna pretend that I've heard of now I'll be like mate can you remember that Colum tune AJ yeah <laughs> SoundCloud Classic yeah but this new tune is great and it just made me think that like actually Hugh and AJ on a slightly weird beat 
Because mm. I, I, I like obviously respect him as an artist, but I haven't really been that bothered about him for quite a while, mm. personally. So I was like, I would love to see a few more of these major like charting rappers try doing some slightly weirder stuff. Yeah. And one slight connection is this: is I think this Jim Legacy is slightly different to the way we're talking about, but Jim Legacy has a production credit on Sprinter. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. So obviously, Dave and Sench promoted Sprinter on Victory Lap. Mm-hmm. It was the only press they did for it. It was number one in the UK charts for 10, 10 weeks. weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. It brought, smashed all sorts of records. Jim Legacy, for anyone who hasn't heard him yet, is this Lucian artist who has like the strangest, most distinctive, most experimental sound, probably. I don't even know if it's UK rap necessarily. Like, you know, mm, and yeah. he, he merges. R&B with Drill with Jersey yeah. Club, which is obviously a big component in this, that kind of Jersey drum kick pattern. He's got old school kind of drill vocal samples, which he kind of recontextualizes. There's a lot of sadness, a lot of tenderness in his music. And he's like probably the most experimental artist. He's like got a bit of hype at the minute. Yeah. And he has, he's a producer on Sprint. And I think that's really interesting because often what happens with experimental music or underground music is you have these people who are kind of pushing boundaries a bit and trying new things and doing things just slightly stranger and inevitably they reach less of an audience. So they're, they're kind of in the trenches. But the mainstream, this is what Kanye and Drake have always done, is they kind of do a bit of a talent scout and they pick a producer here to do, you know, yeah, yeah. or pick someone out here, like, you know, Kanye was always, you yeah, know, you look at Yeezus, he yeah. tapped in some dr- drill producers, yeah, some he's... experimental club producers. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think, like, you know, that relationship can be healthy because it can mean the mainstream artists kind of show some love to the underground and give them a leg up, like Dave shouting out Kibo and that. Yeah, it yeah. can be exploitive as well, which I think it has been a lot. But I think, basically what I'm trying to say is like, we talked at the start, maybe there's been a little bit of fatigue about the conventional UK drill sound. So it could be quite healthy if mainstream artists start sort of taking inspiration from some of these more alternative artists. I think egos would need to change though and attitudes would need to change because while we, while I've mentioned Unknown T, he's very much a minority. Yeah. And there's been this like ongoing debate about rappers, UK rappers, rappers in general who aren't, they don't really collaborate with each other. Then yeah. no, one's, no one's really like trying to lend themselves to other people's skills or not trying to get, I don't know, like beaten on their own track or another person's track. So I think attitudes would need to change and an openness needs to be set in generally for, you know, more collaboration, more cross-collaboration and more like musical alchemy to take place generally. And that's why I love the alt scene so much because everybody seems to be friends. Everybody seems to be like really close collaborators and partners. Like a lot of the time when I'm listening to or when I'm checking out or hearing of new artists in this realm, it's because they're all on a posse cut. Like I remember like Kish and Len and Ayrton and, you know, Clout God Dougie on the Lemonade remix, for instance, sort of thing. So you have that kind of alchemy anyway. And I think that then helps the art because they're then able to riff off each other and indirectly compete with each other for like, you know, who's got the weirdest beat or who's got the weirdest rhymes, who's who's the most tight lyrically sort of thing. And that's where platforms like Victory Lap are so important as well. They kind of bridge that gap and they create that space. So I think generally we need more of that across all UK rap generally, Yeah, I'd say. When we talk about Qualum, you're talking about like Mellow Drill and stuff. And I wanted to ask you about what you think about 
like we've gone through this whole conversation we're like oh it's kind of this uk alternative rap wave but we're not really sure what to call it i think you know back in the good old days when music magazines had more power and influence you know they like some journalists would get to coin a term that's what's called i feel like it kind of feels like, a, and you know, Afro Swing, we talked about that for about six years, people were arguing about what it was actually called. Yeah. I think with this, like, it keeps, I keep getting, like, on TikTok, it's, people always call it chill, chill rap. rap. Yeah. And there's something about, like, I don't want to, like, you know, one day tell my grandkids, oh, you should have been there in 2023 when <laughs> the chill rap, rap was yeah. popping. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't do it justice. And no, it's like, it but then it's, it's kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah. But I'd like, and a lot of it is chill, like, you know, like an El Londo beat. And El Londo is like kind of arguably the hottest producer in this wave. Mm. And he has this kind of like punchy trap drums, but with this kind of, it is chill, kind of like more soothing, kind of melodic, soulful, jazzy stuff in it. But a lot of it, like Lennon stuff is not chill. No, it's like no, intense and, no, no. and hyperactive. And it kind of reminds me a bit of some like the Nigerian Alte stuff or something like or but like computer game synths and yeah. the Jersey kick drum, which is well, it's it's to get people like up going and crazy, yeah, yeah. up and dancing. So chill rap doesn't do it. I mean, chill drill, I think occasionally for like you know unknown T Goodhams is yeah. okay, but SL like tropical was the one. Yeah, yeah. But then Nux's long... music as well. Yeah, Nux. I remember interviewing yeah, Nux, yeah. and he used that term for his own sound you did a DJ Mike cover story right you yeah. talked about that yeah, yeah. yeah we were talking about his, uh, his recent project Alpha Place at the time and he kind of called it chill drill and it kind of well for me that was the first time I was introduced to that term Yeah, and I feel like it's now picked up steam because of it Yeah, so I think chill drill I'm okay with because that is accurate like for Nooks yeah. that is accurate yeah, like yeah. The, the, the drum patterns are drill and but the 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 kind of emotions in it are a lot more relaxed. I feel like yeah, chill the the kind of chill rap is used as like kind of like a blanket term a lot, especially on TikTok for just anything that sounds pleasant and has yeah. like someone <laughs> rapping on it. Whether whether that's like like someone like Blaze YL who's yeah. quite like you know I mean trap influenced and this that and the other, but it's a pleasant sounding beat. Or people will use it for like Lord Apex, who's like yeah. more yeah. boom bap, but originated like his newest songs produced by Madlib, and people are like oh this is chill rap, but this is also chill rap. So it just seems like a pretty wide yeah. net that they're kind of casting. And I think that probably comes down to like the chill beats to relax and study to, yeah. like on YouTube, chill you know, cow, like yeah. I'll put this on in the background. Like the, these kids who are on TikTok now, who are like kind of coining these terms, like they've grown up in the era of like, oh, I just want to listen to something chill, like chill, lo-fi beats, chill this, chill that. Yeah. So I think it's quite a wide net. Um, but yeah, chill drill, I think, or mellow drill, or whatever you want to okay. call it. I feel like that is a bit more kind of like. On the, on the nose with, with some of the artists like Nux and stuff. Yeah. Kind of is actually quite fitting. Well, how about me and Yemi go away since we're, you know, esteemed music journalists. Yeah, so yeah. we'll try and come up with a new genre yeah, yeah. name and then we can announce it on Victory yeah. Lab. Yeah, no, that'd be yeah. amazing. Yeah. I'll take a percent. But I, but, but, yeah, true. But, <laughs> but I like I like, I like like alt rap because I think it encompasses all no. of that. Yeah, like, no, it encompasses definitely. chill rap, it encompasses chill drill, it encompasses whatever you want to call what Len is doing, like that kind of trap, jersey, kind of hybrid. Yeah. So I think it's like, in the same way that like hip hop is a nice term for boom bap and for, you know, crunk and, you know, chopped and screwed and every, everything of that nature. I think alt rap is very much like, especially nowadays when there's just so much experimentation, alt rap is very much like that, that blanket term that I feel like a lot of people can get behind yeah. as yeah. opposed to chill drill. Cause I can see why if an artist is labeled chill rap or chill drill, they might feel a bit like, nah, but 
alt rap might be a little bit more like, yeah, this is a badge. Oh, oh no, I am alternative. So yeah. as opposed to like, being just chill sort of thing. Because I feel yeah, like alternative yeah. is more like a lifestyle as opposed to like an out and out label as opposed to drill, or chill, sorry. So yeah, I, I'm happy to call it alt if I'm honest. So before Yemi, you kind of said like, you know, I'd be interested to see where this is going in terms of this alternative alt rap wave. And I've been thinking about that a bit because like, look at mainstream UK rap and it, we will look back on 2015 to 2020 or whatever as this massive golden era. But it's been really based on numbers and that's not necessarily been a bad thing and sometimes it's been great. It was so exciting when Dave Psychodrama went number one, when Nine's Crabs in a Bucket went number one, when Edna by Hedy one went. I, like, I bought these records to help them go to number one because it felt like these milestones when you see DBE or or something like Two Nights at the O2 and there's been... There's a lot of pressure on artists to get that that number what the top ten hit a million views in a day. Then you sell out Coco, then Bricks, and then Ali Pali, then the O2. And I sometimes wonder if that comes from the psychology of UK rap because it it's in our recent memory of it not being taken very seriously. But like you know, you look back, Boy in the Corner by Dizzy Rascal, which has celebrated its twentieth anniversary recently. That was seen as the moment when UK rap really kicked down the door and got in the mainstream. But I think it only got to like 27 in the UK charts. Mm. Yeah. So there was a time, like I remember it when like artists, like like the idea of a, a British rapper headline Reading Festival just didn't seem plausible. Yeah. And so I think there's been this massive thing for the self-esteem and for the kind of mechanics of the industry to support UK rap and have confidence that can go really far. I do also think that there's maybe in, in, in culture generally in music a, a bit of an unhealthy thing about your self-esteem of your work being based on social media impressions and streaming numbers and, and, and venue capacities. Like, you know, Sam Wise, who is, you know, a respected artist who was in House of Pharaohs with Blaze YL. A couple of years ago, it, it was like quite a while ago now, I remember seeing him tweet something like, it's so sort of deflating putting in all this work and not seeing your numbers going up. And... I just think it'd be really great if artists can realise that, like, if you create, like, some really good music with integrity and depth and thought, then people, even if it's only 3,000 people, those people can remember that track in 10 years and that's a massive achievement. And, like, there's people who are going to, like, hold Ashbeck's new mixtape a lot deeper at the heart than Audie's verse and the body remix, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, well, yeah, actually, nah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> is it 10 years? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boom, 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 I think, yeah, yeah. I think I it'll th- still, th- th- still go off in the club yeah, 10 years yeah, from now. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I think what I quite like about this new wave is I would like to see it not being like, okay, so your tracks only got 6K views on YouTube. It's a flop. What do you think about this numbers thing? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I feel like, I mean, if you're an artist who does dedicate their time, you know, their blood, sweat and tears into making art that you hope will resonate, you know, I can understand the deflating feeling and I can understand wanting more. Mm. It's only natural, right? And I'm kind of out of the viewpoint of kind of bashing anyone who kind of wants to excel commercially because Mm. ultimately, like, especially for a lot of these artists who you know, music was the only way out of like another life sort of thing. They want to be able to provide for themselves, provide for their family. So I can't, I get that. Having musical integrity is is paramount, of course. And I feel like, I agree with you. I feel like over time, if you cater to 
your fans and you cater to what you love in and of yourself as an artist, if you grow with your music, then that then becomes, you become an artist like, as opposed to like an artist who's just trying to chase any kind of like viral fame or numbers or anything like that. So I feel like you become more authentic to yourself in that way because you're creating music that then caters to, you know, what your life is at the time and just how you feel and how you think as, as a person sort of thing. And I think it's always good to like cater to yourself and, and your fans at the time because they're always going to rise because those fans are going to tell their friends, we're going to tell their friends and then all of a sudden your numbers will naturally rise. You'll be able to sell out more shows and stuff like that and you always have to, everyone starts small, like ultimately, yeah. like Rags Original just sold out Scala, yeah. 850 yeah. capacity. Yeah, that's... The next show, that's a, that's a big deal but the next show is going to be bigger sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So I feel like you always should have a big picture of what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve it. If it's numbers, cool. You might not always be relevant in a sense if you're only trying to chase numbers because you're trying to chase whatever. But if you remain authentic to your goals and you cater to the fans along the way, then I feel like you have nothing to really worry about in the long run. Yeah, in terms of victory lap, Joe, like obviously it's really hot at the minute. And what are some like your plans for the future of the platform or you're not sure yet? We've got a lot of like kind of wider ideas. So one of the things that like we're aiming to do is put out a mixtape that is basically going to be an extension of the show, you know? So it's putting producers in rooms with artists, like we were saying, that can be underground people that are friends or maybe have not met who we think, yo, that could, da, da, da. or we can connect the dot between overground and underground and kind of try create something. So I think we're going to try and kind of do a mixtape with the hopes of maybe eventually being able to be like a label and be able to put money in the pockets of these kids to go like his 5k go make a mixtape that you can mm -hmm. release with us and be experimental and be this and kind of take the pressure off of because i know it can be difficult obviously when you're an underground artist coming out who's maybe got like a part-time job who's maybe trying to grind music on the on the evenings and stuff and you're looking for budget you're like you know you're trying to make music videos with like pennies and this that and the other so being able to put money in pockets of those kind of people to kind of keep creating and kind of keep experimenting and stuff like that I think would be like really important and then yeah we just want to get like more consistent kind of bigger and better with the radio shows as well mm. to be able to just keep catering and also yeah I want to be able to be able to do like different genres like you said we've done stuff like with Dexter and the News Agent and people like Mike like American rappers we just had Slime Cito on who's like a bit of a SoundCloud like trap legend from Atlanta and stuff so if we can keep kind of connecting dots and kind of keep pushing forward yeah. and making new stuff happen like that's that's kind of why we do it you know yeah i've got a little bit of a grudge against mike because he's doing his album launch tonight <laughs> and the face got event with bex going on yeah and loads how of rude of him actually yeah. like and it's loads like of didn't... mates this one was like you coming tonight and said like, oh i'm good in the mic thing yeah. i've got loads of mates who are good in the mic thing but uh yeah. you know what you got to do next time is you got to get him on the face thing yeah, yeah you know and then it's two time. birds one stone you know yeah but i understand the new album does slap so we should probably wrap up in a bit i guess final question is joe would you Except Audi Siphon Victory Lab Radio. <laughs> if you come and rap on the Body Remix as well, if you've got a verse, then we could consider it. It's a deal. <laughs> yeah. Let's work on it. Let's I can do see. It. I know you've got the dance moves, but I need to know if you've got the vocals for the for the track as well. You know. All right, I'll get to work. Yeah, please yeah. film that. Yeah. Please film that. <laughs> thank you to Yemi, and thank you to Joe, and thank you to you guys for listening. We'll see you next week when Matthew will be back. <laughs>